10 o'clock came a little early today. Get telling you in a hurry sometimes. Yeah. Now we were just sitting back chilling. Sort of that mood today. That's Friday. It's kind of that sports everywhere in Toronto. A lot going on. Yeah, there is. It's Blair and Barker. It is a Friday. I am sure of that today. I signed off yesterday <laughs> wishing everybody a great weekend, I think. I cleared it up for you. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah, you cleaned I'm up. I'm quick. You cleaned up. You cleaned up. I hunt those instead mistakes. Of leaving me, instead I hunt of leaving me. Yeah, you mistakes. do. Instead of leaving me stranded, you cleaned up. We've got a fun show uh, ahead today. John Schneider will join us for his weekly session. I'm sure we'll find something to talk to the skipper about. And Kevin Pillar, the Atlanta Braves are in town. Kevin Pillar is back with the Atlanta Braves. Um, got his 100th career home run on May 6th. So we'll talk to Kevin about yeah. that and just his return. And uh, Kevin Pillar and Kevin Kiermeyer in the ballpark at the same time. A lot of good memories, a lot of good thoughts about outfield defense of the past and, of course, outfield defense of the present. Jeff Passan joins us in a few minutes as well to take a look around around Major League Baseball. I'm going to just, I'm going to ask Jeff, are, could we possibly be seeing... Given what the standings are telling us right now, could we be seeing a season in which the bad teams in Major League Baseball are historically bad? Because there are some trends there that are a little alarming. Speaking of trends, by the way, the Jays had yesterday off, so they didn't lose. Tampa Bay put the boots to the well, Yankees. You were? Did you watch? I watched the first. I watched up till till the bases clearing double by Brandon Lau, and then I then I flipped it off. Tampa Bay is now 30 and 9 with a run differential of 121 which is more than the run differential of the other four AL East teams added up. Baltimore oh. Baltimore's 24 Crazy. and 13, Boston's 22 and 16. The Yankees we still we mentioned this. The Yankees are 21 and 18. 21 and 18. Amazing. 3 games over and 9 games Everybody's out. The hurt. Jays are 21 and 16. And, um, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay, Drew Rasmussen, or as I refer to him, Andrew Rasmussen, thinking back to the that trade. Uh, I mean, again, Kevin, he, uh, 8-2, sorry, 8-2 was the final. I think I said it was 7 nothing. 8-2 was the final. Uh, so you didn't watch. I did watch it. I turned it off when it was 7 nothing. I didn't watch the end of it. Didn't watch the end of it. Um... But yeah, Drew Rasmussen was was just terrific. I told you this when I came in. It's it's almost like against that team because they're pitching so good that if you have one bad inning, they beat you. Like you just really have no chance of coming back. Yeah. Now obviously it's sports and you <clears throat> occasionally will have a chance. But with the the pitching that they have, I just uh, you you almost your other your team your pitchers have to match their pitchers until either they screw it up somehow, which they. Obviously, are not thirty and nine. Thirty and nine. Or, or your your lineup accidentally runs into one. That, that's the that's the only way you beat the Rays right now, and it's scary. It's scary to watch that. I was watching that game, and I, and the poor little Yankees had no chance. Like you, you just knew it was going to happen. It was one nothing, I think, until the sixth inning. You you knew that soon as soon as stuff started happening in the pan for the Yankees. There, every time you see Aaron Boone walk out. Sometimes that's not the greatest thing for the Yankees. So, yeah, the, the Rays, Rays and the Braves. 
Drew Rasmussen. Rasmussen retired 14 of the first 15 batters he faced. Uh, they had two hits against them. He struck, the Yankees struck out seven times. Aaron Judge struck out three times. And the Yankees never had a runner in scoring position when Rasmussen was on the mound against Josh Lowe's. Big hit kind of. Yeah, he's pretty good. Kind of opened the door for the Rays. But uh, this is an an interesting stat from MLB.com. I didn't notice. I didn't know this. Of course, I don't feel bad because Drew Rasmussen didn't know it either. Uh, He's held the Yankees scoreless for 21 innings. Mm -hmm. And according to the Elias Sports Bureau, Going back to 1961, the expansion era, the the only longer career scoreless streaks to start a career against the Yankees are John Morris's 22 and a third inning streak and Troy Percival's 21 and a third. Uh, so there you go. Um, it is a, yeah, 30 and nine. Yeah, he Sorry, I, mean, I pushed the wrong button. He he throws hard like that. That you know, you, you sort of roll your eyes in twenty twenty three about dudes that throw hard. But if you watch the Rays, it's the way he throws to cutter to righties. It's the way he can throw the sweeper to righties and lefties. It's the elevated ninety seven. I had no idea. I got to be honest with you. I've heard of Drew. I never knew he threw that hard. Like I that that's the surprising part of it is all of a sudden that you come to the Rays and it's just like. Things open up in front of you. It's like, what? seriously, Jeff, what do they do differently than everybody else? I mean, that's whatever whatever the secret sauce is. It's very secret, which it should be. But it's just it's just the way they go about their business. It's, it's, I, and I said this to you, if they continue to hit, I mean, that's not great analysis, but if they continue to hit the way they are and they can get Wander Franco can stay on the field most of the year and into the playoffs, It'll be a tough get. We are going to see Spencer Strider tonight for the Atlanta Braves. A tough seven, get. I was going to say, speaking of uh-huh. tough gets, 707 first pitch, Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves. Chris Bassett for the Blue Jays. Saturday, Bryce Elder will take the hill for the Atlanta Braves. He's 3 0 with a 174 ERA. Jose Barrios, 3 3, 491 goes hmm. for the Blue Jays. And Sunday, uh, to be confirmed for the Braves against Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi, 5-0, and 3.35 ERA. Uh, in case you missed it yesterday, there was some talk that Mike Soroka may make his return and might be pitching Sunday. Alex Anthopoulos on this show yesterday said, actually, if you guys want to see him pitch, you're going to have to go see our AAA franchise. And he got knocked around a bit yesterday. Now, uh, no concerns from the Braves' point of view. they as Alex said, they want to see Mike Soroka will be back at some point in the next week to 10 days. They want to see a start where he sits 95. That's basically what they're looking at. They want to mm. see consistent 95 out of them. Um, they've got, a, you know, they're without Kyle Wright and Max Fried. They could certainly use Mike Soroka's return, but they bought themselves a little bit of time here. The Braves have with their record and and, sure. and the pitching that they're getting. So, Lineup's Chances really are pretty good, good. Mike Soroka will be back within seven to ten days. Yeah, they manufacture runs. Their lineup's really good, especially the first three guys. They're very balanced. You have to throw each hitter different pitches pitches in different parts of the zone. Kevin, they, they, they're they, a really good team. They've said goodbye to Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson without missing a beat for the most part yeah. over the last I mean, two they got, years. They got, they got a, they got a, you can almost say a Hall of Fame GM. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you can honestly, you, you're you're pushing it. I mean, there he's close. So you could say you could say that. I mean, again, if they could, AJ Mentor, sorta. You don't really all the mm-hmm. time know what you're going to get. That might be their little yes. You know, or yep. do you feel like you're if you're a Braves fan, do you really want to open both eyes and watch him pitch against a really good team? Me to the order when it matters the most. That might be the only thing. And what do you think the chances are that Alex will find an answer for that at some no point? No question. No question. He'll move, he'll move a starter into the pen and, you know, simplify it enough that he's and pocketed there, to where he's facing two lefties and a righty. And there are some dudes, uh, there are some dudes, some relievers who might be on the market, guys like Alex Lang, the guy that, or Lang, sorry, sure. however you pronounce it, the guy the Tigers have. There are some relievers out there that might be able to help you. Tigers in second place. <laughs> hey, Javi Baez. Uh, yeah. Since being benched, mm-hmm. did you see that run of at bats where he didn't strike out, he had like twenty two at bats or something like that where he didn't strike out, which is remarkable. Some would say him. he should go that long. Yeah, but it's got to be more than that. They were talking about it on MLB Network, and I was I was half asleep when they were talking about it, to be honest. But um, yeah, look, since that uh, since that that benching was well, embarrassing. That's what it is, right? So we're here, there. 15 and 10. 15 and 10 since then. And um, the team is. The team is 15 yeah, yeah, and 10 yeah. since then. Yeah. And uh, Scott Harris, the general manager, this is, this is funny. I mean, you know, what, whatever, you know, keep this in mind that this is a GM pumping his players' tires. But he says that Javier Baez has set the tone for the entire team wow. <laughs> since then. So there you go. Uh, Jeff Passan is MLB insider with ESPN. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Passan, thank you so much for joining us. We, we trust that, uh, we trust that you're doing well. Um, tell me about Yuri Perez, who is going to be starting for the Miami Marlins. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. Oh, I don't blame you. He, he does not look like a baseball player. He is six foot nine and it's not like a Randy Johnson, six nine, six ten. Um, you know, he's not quite as skinny. But when Randy Johnson threw, it amazed me every time that the ball ended up anywhere near the plate because it just looked like his body was disorganized chaos. And it turns out it took until he was like 30 years old for him to figure out how to actually throw it over the plate. So that makes sense. Uh, Yuri Perez has figured that out a decade early. Uh, He's 20 years old. He throws really hard. He's got multiple excellent secondaries. And uh, he's the best pitcher to come up for the Marlins since Jose Fernandez. He's arguably the best pitcher in the minor leagues right now. He's really, really, really good. And because he's 20 years old, he might not be really, really, really good in the big leagues to start off with. But I remember having a conversation with somebody two years ago. And this is a guy who, you know, I'll do an occasional check-in with and say, okay, who's the best uh, five pitching prospects in the minor leagues? And he had Yuri Perez, number one, when he, I believe, was like 18 years old in rookie ball. And I was like, what? That good? And he was like, that good. And turns out, you know, the guy worth listening to. What are the Marlins right now, Jeff? Because I, they, you know, they intrigued me. The, I Marlins, thought, the, the, Marlins, the Marlins, Jeff, are lucky. Okay. That's what the oh, Marlins are okay. right now. They're lucky. They're, tw- they're 12 and 0 in one run games. They have, I believe, a minus 54 run differential, and yet they're a 500 team. 
the Marlins also are going to come back to earth. So uh, I do not anticipate them finishing. I think they're second in the National League East right now. I don't they anticipate them finishing second. Yeah. Um, I don't anticipate them finishing third. I like guess they're 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 improved. Yeah, like I guess a better team, but. Yeah, no, I guess what I was getting, I was, I was getting at is kind of where are they now in terms of being a better team going forward? You know, Kim Ng's been there for a while now, uh, not for a while. She's been there for a couple of years at least. Um, is there, are, are they progressing to the point where they, you know, in, in two years maybe can be a contender or do there, is there still a lot of work that needs to be done with that lineup in order to get them there? Cause they do seem to be able to have to find pitching. Yeah, you said it. I mean, if if Yuri Perez is anything like what people in the game believe he's going to be, then having a rotation with him and Sandy Alcantara at the front, pretty nasty. And they've got, you know, Jesus Lazardo has certainly taken a step forward. Like, they've got some guys there pitching-wise. Um, just the, the, the hitting stinks. Like, they are a bad hitting baseball team. I think they have the second fewest runs in MLB behind the Guardians, and the Guardians are offensively wretched. They don't have a guy with an OPS over 800 this year. Even Jose Ramirez, you know, compared to what we're used to seeing from him, hasn't been the same guy. So uh, you you don't need to worry about the Marlins, you know, dropping eight or ten runs on you. That's that's a a once-in-a-blue-moon thing. Do you need to worry about the Mets? Mets are 18 and 20. They're three and seven or less uh-huh. 10. They're seven and eight at home. They're 11 and 12 yep. on the road. Uh, Jeff, I, I was watching them yesterday against the Reds. They don't – now, again, this is early in the season. I want to say that, and they're obviously going to do whatever it needs to be done to go where they want to try and go. But they didn't look but real good. Against, they didn't look real good against the Reds. They look dead right now. Yeah. And, and they've had all – they've had all these – series kevin where it's like okay this is going to be the one this is where they're going to turn around this is where they're going to figure it out and they just haven't done it yet and it's been a grim start for the mets and you know uh, i have a lot of friends who are mets fans and from the beginning of the season they've been like this team sucks this team sucks i hate this team i'm gonna go root for the rays i Mm -hmm. you know i can't do this anymore and to this point i've been like patient patience Patience, patience. I understand why they're running out of patience. Um, you, you know, injuries have been bad, no question about it, and they have hampered this team. I do wonder, though, if the Mets have the kind of run in them that the Phillies had last year. And I am, I am for years to come going to reference the 2022 Phillies when it comes to bad starts, they were 19 and 31 through their first 50 games guys and had a good chance to win the world series after that. So I I think as long as the talent is there, uh, even a team like the Mets, that's two games under 500 now can recover, but uh, compared to the Braves, like I don't think they're winning the East. Nope. I don't think they've got a shot in the East. Um, they're, They're clawing for a wild card spot at this point to me. Jeff, speaking of bad speaking of bad starts, starts. If you look at standings now, you could have if you include the White Sox, at the end of the season, you could have <laughs> six teams with a hundred losses. Does Major League yep. Baseball have a problem? 
No, I, first off, I don't think we're going to end up with 600 lost teams. No, nope. I, I don't think that's going to be. No, I don't. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Um, and and I also like let's let's look at the teams that we're talking about here, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, the Oakland A's are an embarrassment and terrible and. Uh, ownership has, uh, you know, what ownership has done to that franchise is shameful. Um, the A's are going to lose a hundred games. Yeah. Uh, the Royals, the Royals stink. Yeah. Um, their offense has actually been really good in May, but, uh, the Royals still stink. And I think they're probably going to lose a hundred games as well, but I don't think the Royals are, are tanking. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Royals are actively going out trying to lose games like you could suggest the A's are. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I have a hard time when teams just stink as opposed to actively try to stink, looking at them and looking at the landscape of the sport and saying something is, is broken here. Um, you know, there were, there were anti-tanking measures that were put into place in the new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, how much teeth do they have? Not a whole lot. But there are penalties for being really bad year after year after year that include not being included in the draft lottery. So uh, the you know the idea that teams don't have consequences or penalties for their actions when it comes to fielding a bad ball club, uh, I think that's going to put pressure on some owners to go out and spend. And that really was the whole point of the anti-tanking measures pushed by the MLBPA that. Uh, they don't want teams to be able to go into these deep ruts where year after year after year they're terrible just in order to try and build back up. And yet we look at a team like the Baltimore Orioles, guys. You, you guys have seen the Orioles this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah. They are very good. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I think they – let me ask you this. I was talking with a scout yesterday, and I asked him, who who do you think the best five teams in baseball are? Mm. And – he did not name the Rangers or the Orioles. And I thought um, he didn't even like, they weren't even among his top seven. I think I thought that was kind of crazy. Um, where do you see the Orioles in the landscape right now? Fourth. See, it's, inter- Fourth? It's, well, it's, yeah. inter- it's interesting that you brought that up because I was going to ask you this question. ESPN just came out with the rankings. I think it was yesterday. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I don't know if you saw that or not, but I, I, I'll i tell you what they are. I, us- I usually vote. I had a funeral this week, so I did not vote for power rankings. Sure. But uh, I, had the or- I had the Orioles third last week. Okay, this is, this is what they came out with yesterday. I'll give it to you. The Rays at number one, you can't argue that. The Braves at number two, you can't yeah. argue that. The Dodgers at number yeah. three, yeah, you can't argue that. This is where you can argue. The Jays at number four, the Rangers at number five, the Astros at number six, the Orioles at number seven. Yeah, I think I think the Orioles uh, in that case are four. Yep. I think the Rangers are five. Yeah. Um, I could I could see an argument for the Jays at six. They've they they've like they haven't been good lately though. Nope. Um, they the the starting pitching you know Chris Bassett uh, I think had one good start this month. Uh, but the starting pitching otherwise has been eh. Uh, the bullpen's actually been pretty decent this month, and they've they've had some hitters. Let, let me say this: um, George Springer needs to needs to figure some things out. Yeah. Yes. No question. It's it's been it's it's been all season for him, and it helps when you got Bo Bichette like hitting 350 in May and well over 300 on the season. 
and Dalton Varsho's heating up, and Matt Chapman's come back to earth, but he's still been awesome, and Gladdy is Gladdy. Um, so they have, you know, that's the point of a deep lineup, right? When you go out and sign a guy for $150 million, you expect star production out of him. But if he's going through one, then, hey, you got those other guys to, to pick up the slack, to pick them up. But I think if the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be a championship team, George Springer needs to be better than he's been. Yeah, I mean, that, listen, that's a great point. And something Absolutely. that Kevin and I have been talking about the last couple of days you know, yes, it is early and all that, but but Jeff, the, I mean, this team can't use health as an excuse. You know, either Springer nope. ha- has had the flu, uh, Adam Simber's been hurt, but they can't use health as an excuse. And Tampa Bay doesn't know what they're going to get out of or when they're going to get Tyler Glasnow back after that setback. I presume he'll come back, but uh, the Yankees. I are think I think a he's actually. I think he's. I'm 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 actually in Charlotte right now. Okay. Um, about the um talking with Liam Hendricks in oh. about a half hour. Say hi to him for us, by the way. Absolutely. <clears throat> Say hi to him for us, by yeah. the way. I, I will make sure. He, he's just the best guy, isn't yes, he? Yes, he is. He is. Um, so you might get and, some... And his, his, his story, I mean, for those who don't know, he was diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin lymphoma uh, in December, and he is uh, in all likelihood going to be back on a big league mound next week. Crazy. Which is absolutely wild. It is. Like, the... The, the entirety of his story. And there, there are details and elements uh, that, that are going to run in my story next week that you're going to read and be like, wow, this is, it's, it's just a very life-affirming thing. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned, Tyler Glasnow, you're in Charlotte. So uh, to, to talk to Hendricks, but are you, are you hearing anything on Glasnow? I mean, we know he came out of that last start, uh, his rehab yeah, start Yeah, he came out early. in the first inning. I, I don't think... It's a big deal. Like the the impression that I've gotten talking with a couple of people is that uh, this isn't something that should be long term. But uh, you know, Tyler Glasnow is one of those guys. He's very in tune with his body, and when something is amiss, even a little bit, he doesn't want to run the risk of turning it into something being a little bit more than a little bit. So he, uh, you know, I think it was more precautionary than problematic. Jeff, we're going to let you scoot. Appreciate your Thanks, time as buddy. always. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Boys, pleasure is always mine. Thanks. Take care. See you later. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. So we'll look forward to that article from Jeff Passan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam Hendricks on the road back, which is certainly good news. It's awesome. Uh, he will make a m- major difference today. Makes a major difference to any clubhouse he's on. But I will tell you what. If Liam Hendricks pitches himself into a position where he's saving games... They've got a clause in his contract that if he's traded, the contract only becomes a one-year deal. Mm. I, what? I Say mean, it. Say it. If you are – now, I don't know. I think he's got a no trade. I don't know if Toronto would be on, but, I mean, he you know, he talked to the – we know that he visited the Jays' sure. minor league complex when he was a free agent. I mean, I'm just saying if he comes back and he's at all healthy and he's – like 97, 98, 99, whatever sure. he is, would you? Could you? Why wouldn't you? I mean, the White Sox are 13 and 26, Jeff. 13 and 26 yeah. in that division. It's, it's by far the worst division in baseball. How, they, You would think they start doing some things with some players if they can. Mm. And if he's available and he's healthy and he looks like that guy of a year and a half ago, 
That's literally a dude who will take – he will literally He'll do whatever you innings. need him to do. He'll pitch two, two innings. innings at the – now, this is pre – Sure, sure, absolutely. Pre the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, let's be clear. So you probably wouldn't want to, but – But let's put it this way. If he is healthy and built up and there is nothing – there's no carryover from the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, if he mm-hmm. can do it, well, be nice he's going to do it. be nice to see him in the eighth inning for the Jays. Be nice team in the ninth inning. Well, I mean, again, it, you know, just sort of adds up to where the eighth inning is a lot of the times when you're getting the meat of the order. It's an you option. Sort of the, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he's buying into it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Kevin Pillar will join us at 11.05. John Schneider at 11.30. Blue Jays baseball returns on Sportsnet 590. The fan tonight, the Jays open a three-game series at the Rogers Center against the Atlanta Braves. Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves going to be a lot of fun folks if you're going to pick a pitching matchup or you, you, to go and see spencer strider against chris bassett maybe is, not for the hitters it's it's, it's kind of like the yin and the yang i guess between those uh-huh. two uh that it'll be a lot of fun saturday bryce elder you know one of the reasons the braves are able to do what they're doing three and oh with a 174 era against Jose brios and again sunday we do not know yet um i was just checking checking the brave site to see if there's any hint as to who uh who may who may go for them on Sunday. And I uh, haven't seen anything. We know the Braves have, of course, pitching issues right now with uh, Max Freed and Kyle Wright out for the foreseeable future. And Mike Soroka coming back rehabbing. We mentioned Mike Soroka's outing last night. He got rocked a bit, he had a difficult time in the first inning, but it was also the first time he'd pitched on four days. So it was the first time he'd pitched as part of a regular routine. Mm-hmm. And um, and as Alex Anthopoulos said yesterday, we just want, want, want the velo up. Yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah. he's ready, we'll bring him up. No and question. again, if you're the Braves, why rush it now? You don't have to. You absolutely do. When the Mets are doing it, you don't, you know, you got a little breathing room there. That's, it's interesting hearing Pass and talk about the Mets and comparing to the 2022 Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do need to remember that the 2022 Phillies were 12 games under 500 <clears throat> at one point. You don't point want to make that a habit, run. though. You, <laughs> like, yeah, well, you've also got you've got fewer games within your division to make up a big uh, to make up a big difference. Uh, and you know this year, you know as well as anybody, when your owner is spending the money that they are, there's a lot goes into that. Like you, being two games under 500 and looking the way they look, I've only caught. I'm I'll, not sure it's supposed to happen. I got to tell you, I think I've probably watched. Two Mets games this year, like parts of it, half of each game. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't find them an enjoyable team to watch. Yeah, it's a good. Like, point. I That's love Francis. I love. I I love their shortstop. I I yeah. love. I love Lindor. He's one of my favorite players in the game. I like the but, polar bear too. At first, man, they're there's just something. There's just something really dull about them. It you don't get the sense that. Just you know, not watch, a consistent flow. You don't get to the sense games. anything's going to like, happen. Go, go do your job. I'll do my job. Don't worry about thinking about my job. Like yeah. it's just like everybody's worried about everybody else's job. At least that's what it looks like to me. They didn't look good. I watched them yesterday. They they just they they just did not look real good. And uh, I don't. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Mets fans should be that worried. But if you're trying to win a division with the way the Braves look. The Phillies are in front of you. They're going to get better, it looks like. You know, they're when Bryce Harper is hitting the way Bryce Harper should be hitting. Yeah, the Phillies. And Trey Turner starts hitting. And the Phillies lineup too is, hard. is 
They're going to score deep, a ton deep. of runs, right? So it's not going to be the easiest thing. So the Mets need to get some things ironed out yeah. is the point. And they need to hurry up. Uh, the back leg line, the number is 416-413-3959. We're going to go to it in the next segment. We've also got Blue Jays trivia coming up before 1130. John Schneider joining us. Kevin Pillar as well. It's Blair and Barker for a Friday on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. More Leafs, more Raptors, more Blue Jays. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we're back. Kevin Pillar joins us at 11.05. The Braves are in town for a three-game series against the Jays' John Schneider, 11.30. Oh, boy. Catchy, huh? Hey? Yeah, it is. The music? I, I got you. I caught you. And clapping is so lame in music. Leave it to you. Leave it to you. It is. It's to act that way. It's probably electronic hand clapping, anyhow. Um... 416-413-3959. That boy. The back leg line. That is our uh, 24-7 answering service where you can call up, leave messages for Kevin, leave comments, suggestions, ask Kevin about life in general, taking care of his that. lawn. Barker and his would, lawn. I would. Barker and his lawn is going to be a thing. It really is. Uh, it's not. No, it's I'm almost. A, it's I'm almost a... like your, uh, <laughs> you, you and your your uh, your king size bed. The lawn has replaced the king size bed as a thing. <laughs> Honest to God, man, I I have never seen anybody worry uh... about weeds the way you worry <laughs> about weeds. Yeah. Mark Poffa says more, maybe Snoop Dogg. It's more my. Type it's of more weed. my. It's... Snoop Dogg doesn't worry about it's more, that. It's more my wife. My wife will drive by the yard and be like, I thought you mowed that. <laughs> Anyhow, 416-413-3959, Mr. Boffo. <laughs> Not St. John's, but St. John, correct? Josh in St. John, New Brunswick. Awesome. I'm sitting here pulling my hair, watching this Phillies game. Runner in scoring position. You pull Kiermaier and put in Kirk. Kiermaier is the best contact hitter in the league. Single, 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 single for days. Why? What's the point? I'm getting really concerned with this Chase team. Is it time to make a move? Yeah. Make a move where? There's no time. I think he's talking about the There's no time to guy make. that makes the calls. No. No. I mean, we've, we've covered that. I mean, we'll ask John, you know, we'll ask John about that. What goes into, this is going to sound really stupid, but what does go into a decision to pinch it? Is I admit. It, dare I say gut? I, I, I told you yesterday. It's one of the reasons that it's, it used to be so easy. And believe me, I did this. It used to be so easy to come on and criticize a manager when a move didn't work. It used to be so easy to come on and second guess a manager when a move that didn't work, when a move didn't work. 
But I don't know now because I don't know what's gone into that. Who's gone into it? I am serious. I I just don't. I that's why I have a a really difficult time. Um, you know, hammering on somebody for a decision they made. As yeah, I said, can, I, I just assume flip. I assume that uh, it's look. I assume <laughs> it's based on the information they're getting, and it isn't always going to work out. But I will say this. I will say this. And the caller, the, the caller's point was was well made. That might be a time where you just throw everything out and go, I got a guy who's my everyday center fielder who's been doing a job for me. And I like his chances of doing something compared to the guy who's slumping and has been rolling over for Varsha the last plays week. Left. you say center? I think I, you said center. I didn't say Varsho. Yeah, Springer's not raking. No, I was talking about. I'm sorry, I'm talking about Kier, the decision with Kiermaier is what he's talking oh, about. Oh yeah, okay, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Kirk, Kirk for Kirk for for Kiermaier is absolutely. the one we were talking Abs- about. Absolutely. Look, I, I I think John will tell you, and we will ask about that situation, sort of, in a broader sense. I, I he is the manager. When the moves are made, it's you're not pointing the fingers at the khakis. You're not pointing the finger at the GM. He's the manager. He's the one that you see making the call, telling whoever is pinch hitting to get loose. And I'm sure if you ask John that he will say the same thing, that you live and die by the decisions that you make, whether they sometimes they look the way they've looked. The optics of that did not look good, right? There, there is, I'm sure they have numbers, to your point, on top of numbers that would tell you that Kirky's contact rate against a righty that throws contact miles an hour is better. He has a better chance of getting a, I guess, I thought the whole point was trying to get it hit, not just to put the ball in play. But I'm sure they have numbers to back it up. Now that's not something I would have ever done, but I'm sure John will tell you that he's the one making the calls. Good, I'll let you ask the question. I appreciate that. Of course you will. Go to Austin and Heartland, New Brunswick. We've got two from New Brunswick. It's awesome. Go ahead, when Austin. When are we going to eventually get to see Nathan Lucas get in the game? At this point, it's kind of between him and Kevin Biggio at the bottom of the roster, I think. And just curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. When are we going to give him a shake? Because we don't know really what he can show us. I know he's been doing pretty good in AAA when he's there. And quite frankly, I'm tired of Kevin Biggio and not performing. So, thanks, guys. Yeah, Nathan Lucas, Kevin, help me out. Who was the reliever they had last year, and we kept trying to figure out why he was not called up? Oh, the lefty. Uh, Matt. uh, Yeah. uh, uh, The lefty. No. Um, With the changeup. We kept getting calls from people. This guy is is doing well in AAA. Why isn't he? they, They kept Nathan Lucas around all year last year. And... I think he did enough to make the team out of spring training. Sure. But the problem is right now, well, the problem is you've got three outfielders who are playing every day and you've got Whit Merrifield who's playing some time, spending some time in the outfield. Listen, I'm with you. Um, But we've gone down the Kevin Biggio rabbit hole. Uh, We know why, why he's here. And you know what? Every manager's got it. Every manager has a guy on on the team that he will bend over backwards for. They just do. Every manager Every manager has that guy. 
Uh, yeah, listen, I, I don't. This team, I think, right now has bigger issues than who is the 26 guys. man on the roster. Um, I, I don't know when you would use Nathan. I think Nathan Lucas Matt is being Gage. used. That's who it was. Matt Gage, thank you. That's it. I don't even know he, where he is now. But it, there are things that happen. It could be a 40-man roster thing uh, where where guys don't get put on. But, again, Nathan Lucas is – I think uh, – I think, And I think what it may say – You're skirting it. I think what it may say more than anything else, they don't have anybody, they don't have anybody in the minor they, league they, system better than They him. think they have better options playing right now than Nathan Lucas. Gage is with the Astros. That's okay. – yeah. Can you say it any other way? Because if they thought that Nathan Lucas was better than somebody else that's playing well, right think, now, he'd be playing more. But I, they don't I, think that. I, I think there's a I think there's a Biggio factor there. And because of the way they use their outfielders. But yes. And the way Whit Merrifield has started hitting, who you putting him in for? Yeah. Who who's whose spot will he take? To yeah, see Nathan him Lucas play is more? never was is never Kevin gonna be Biggio, an everyday. Player. I don't think plays enough that it I mean, he's playing with somebody's hurt or or Bat path to a slider. Yeah. But I can't. You need a hit. No, you can't even do that. You need a hit. If you need a hit and you're relying on your 26 man to give you the hit, just run the white flag up. Yeah, they're I was going to say, who'd you rather have? They're, they're more for exactly the way he played the last time so Jeff Blair can come on and yell and scream about why he's in left field in uh-huh. the 10th inning. That's Nathan Lucas. I'm not yelling and, and screaming. Came, I just pointed out how bad the pointed, defense was. Because yes, you took you're, out your Now you're going to get me going again. Well, that's a fact. I just that's point, exactly well, what I just happened. pointed out that you, you, you made a move that didn't help you <laughs> I mean, offensively uh, and hurt you he's defensively. He's a good defender. Nathan Lucas is a good defender. He'll catch the baseball. 416-413-3959. Okay. See, now you got me thinking about that again. I don't even want to do that. <laughs> Jeff in Toronto. Bring some sanity to this discussion, please. Um, just want to know an update on uh, Chad Green. See if he's uh, going to be in the Blue Jays' relief course soon. I'd like to have uh, an update. Thank you. Not soon, but now I have. I haven't talked to anybody about him since the last homestand. Yep. But what I was told was that one. He's farther along than Hyunjin Ryu, and I don't know if that means Ryu's had a bit of a setback or any. I. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Green's farther along than Ryu is. They are at least in a position now where I think if I recall what I was told correctly, they will have a schedule for Green soon. And what I mean by a schedule for Green is, okay, mm-hmm. you, this is your step, this many bullpens in this many days, then we'll take it onto the field, and then the rehab. They're close to having a schedule for that, and I've been told that his return might be a little earlier than the Jays expected August? to be. I, I don't know. I, I, I was not. Again, they said they don't have a. I was told they don't have it. Like they don't have a date where they're saying this is when he's going to make his rehab start, sure. and then mm-hmm. they haven't got the up. But everything is unless it's changed in the last week. Everything the last time I spoke to everybody was free and clear, and he was making good progress and building his velocity up. Mm-hmm. And there's there was kind of a quiet confidence about about him. And you know, we'll ask John Schneider that as well because listen, I've maintained that uh, if Chad Green is healthy and up to speed in September, I I mean I think he's a difference maker. 
if he's the Chad he's not going to hurt. Seen, that's for sure. He might be a difference maker. For uh, he's team. not going to hurt. That's for sure. You know, he is a bigger guy. Uh, he does have really good mechanics, which will help along with the process and getting it out front. The pressure, and does, pressure doesn't bother good, him. I, you wouldn't think so being where he came from, right? He's pitching some big games for the Yankees and those kind of things. You just got to make sure the velocity's there. You know, could he throw a slider in a oh oh count? It's that thing, right? Can you not aim it to where you're trying to miss a barrel? Because yeah. that's not who he is. That's not what you want from him. I think that's the point you're trying to get at, right, is the schedule has to make sure that when that day and that bell rings, that everything's a go, right? Yeah. When I want to throw it, I can throw it. The velocity's there because he does. You can you can picture him on the mound. Everything looks free and easy. He's not forcing ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Yeah, He's just I, coming out hot that way. So he was that's a that he would be a huge really help reliable. for sure. Oh you, my god. You imagine him pitching the eighth inning? Yeah. It, it, oh, oh, oh. I said I think he can be a difference maker. Oh, but no I, again, I I throw my hands up and say I have not heard anything since. But that's a good update that you that's because that's sort of what I've heard too. What you just said there is sort of what I've heard. So, and and they are they are confident and pleased at how his rehab has gone. Well Were you? Said. That's how you say it. Setback. I don't know if that's the way you should and say it, but no, he he's he's working some things out. I think they I think are. I think the Jays, the Jays have a better handle on where Chad Green is than they do where Ryu is. There you go. Shane in Alberta, big place. Alberta could be anywhere. Shane. Shane, go Just ahead. Chiming in on Alejandro Kirk. You know, the guy's been great. A couple years, he's hit well. He's had a 30-game stretch where he's not been great. The guy's caught for a Cy Young winner. He caught for a Cy Young finalist. So I don't know how we can say his game calling is not good. Uh, defensive metrics, he shows very good. I mean, the thing is, the guy's slow. Not everybody can be good at everything. Uh, as well, Bo, I mean, he's been good defensively this year. One error cost us a game, big deal, you know. Uh, let's move on from that. It's one error. Anyways, that's my two cents. Thanks. Yeah, that's a good uh, two cents. I agree with I agree with you. And, then, yes, I know that uh, the analytics like Alejandro Kirk. Um I, but there, there has been whenever, whenever one of your main guys is going through something, they're trying to pick and poke at certain things to try and get him out of it. I do know that the game calling on trying to get away from sliders, where they're going, how much they break, why are they trying to throw it in certain counts when they should be throwing something else. That a guy's showing you that he's trying having an issue catching up to velocity, those kind of things. I do know there's been talks about that. That there is, you need to be better at that. And again, Kirky's here for hitting. The defensive side, he's uh, that that communication factor between one guy. Last year, I, let's be honest, I could have caught Manoa. No offense to Kirky, but the way his slider was moving, the sinker, the way it was located to righties, wasn't the hardest thing to do. I mean, he basically was calling his own game last year, okay? It was just the fact that, you know, he's my security blanket. I'm going, he's going. Like, it's just sort of, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's like you say Kikuchi in the cutter. You do all these things, I'll give you that security blanket and that cutter. Kirky's is sort of the same kind of thing, right? It's just I'm doing so well, don't rock the boat. That's my dude. I want him back there. It's 
that's why John came out this year and said, you know, we're, we don't need to be married to this guy's catching this guy, that guy's catching this guy. Like, and I'm not sure I wouldn't be surprised if they mixed that up a little. Okay. And look, quite frankly, Kirky needs to start hitting. It's the, it's the two things. It's the George Springer thing. He hasn't hit this year, period. And neither has both catchers. Like, yeah. Jansen went through a little stretch where he's hitting homers. Which yeah, he is, had that little. That's who he is. Which he does. He goes but on those there, two or three runs. there's a big runs. stretch yeah. where, now, this might be a little worry of where, you know, he knows he's here to get this guy through a certain game, and he's putting more emphasis on doing that than he is offensively, which he shouldn't be doing. He's, he should be, he's been in the big leagues long enough. He said out loud. Now, I'm not even saying he's doing that. But maybe he is, right? Maybe that's sort of the thing, and maybe he'll get back to, you know, just get a better pitch to hit and think I, up the middle. You're Kirk, a pull hitter, but you can still think up the middle. Kirk puzzles me because I really thought, and I should know better than to read too much into one game, but that Seattle series at home, you even you said, the, the batches looked It looked more like Alejandro Kirk. It did. It really did. Absolutely. And then it just kind of... It just kind of stopped. Um, Sitting 240. Sitting 240, and he's going to hit fifth or sixth for the Blue Jays now. With Brandon Bell sort of looking like he's turned the corner a little bit, he's going to get higher up into the order. Kirk, he's going to be up there. He's going to be coming up a lot of chances with runners on base, runners in scoring position. He needs to I'm – not, I'm not saying anything that a baseball yeah, fan yeah. doesn't already know. The Blue Jays is you can sort of point the finger. It's not hard to point the finger at some guys that need to, you know, you've had a, a, enough at-bats. He's got 83 at-bats. It's plenty enough, right, to know who you are offensively, which I'm not saying he doesn't know that already. But the league's adjusted with the breaking balls. Now it's up to him to either scoot closer, crowd the plate more, have better rotation with your lower half, don't swing at it. I do something different. Like it's you can't just go up there and do the exact same thing over and over and over again. Like because they've adjusted to you. Now it's up to you. That's what big leaguers do. So for the Blue Jays fans' sake and the organization, hopefully does it. Just looking at uh as I mentioned, we have the MLB network on here. I don't know, this is a little bit of news. I didn't know this. Jose Altuve is going to be, begin his rehab assignment on Friday. They need him. <laughs> Boy, do they ever. They do. Got uh one more caller before we uh scoot. Alex in Tokyo. Wow, we international. That's awesome. Spring training on, so much of the Blue Jays' focus uh, was about greater attention to detail. Uh, more recently, we've heard from John Schneider about, um, about that after some tough losses that the team needs to be more attentive or need to tighten things up. Now, I've worked in the corporate world long enough for different kinds of managers to know that sometimes greater attention to detail just also means uh, more command and control or more micromanagement. Um, do you think this is the case for the Jays? And do big league players thrive under greater pressure and scrutiny in general? Or do you think they're just like most of us and it could get suffocating when things are taken a little too far. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, that's a great question. I'll turn it over to you, Kevin. Yeah, I'm going to say it's the latter. I'm going to say it's the last part of that where you can you can give too much. You you can. It's like the Rays. 
We've had people on here talking about the race, and they said offensively they're trying to simplify it. It was too much. Peter Bendix, their GM, it was just too. It was too much. See ball, hit ball, basically, and that's amazing for the race to ever say. Right? How dare you say that? Why would you ever say that? Because it's too much. It's too much to think about getting the ball in the air and launch angles and what you need to swing at to be able to do that. It's just too much. Hitters aren't good enough to do that. Absolutely it is. Occasionally, you just got to go, we've done enough off the field. I'm just going to slide my chips in the center of the table, and I'm going to get out of the way. My team's good enough to do that. I said this at the beginning of the year. The Jays are an 88-win team. Can they do enough as a staff to win the other five or six games to get them to the playoffs? That's the thing, right? Is you got to make the right move, take out the pitcher at the right time, pinch hit the right guy, like little spots like that that could take your team to those five or six wins. And, yes, Alex, that is a great question and a great point that you can do too much. You can overwhelm guys to where it's they're thinking more about, uh uh-oh, I can't screw up than just going out and see ball, hit ball, or where I need to throw a baseball from second base to first base. Like, it's it can be too much. Yeah, I just – I mean, uh, you, you've, you've been there as a player. I obviously haven't. I have spent some time around clubhouses, not as much lately as I'd like to. But um, I just, I really do think it's an, in, it's an individual thing. Uh, I, I think what's happened now, though, is, you know, we talked to Brandon Barriere about this yesterday. When you come into the majors now, you've been exposed to a lot of this stuff. Right. You, you would get exposed to it at the pitching lab. Uh, I mean, God, you remember talking to guys about AAA. Did you ever do video AAA that often? Never. Bet you do now. I'm sure they do. And I think the technology that used to be just available at the major league level has filtered down to the minors to the point where the new generation of players are comfortable with the information they're given. But I still think, you know, as our friend Paul Quantrill talked about about his son Cal, you do have to go through a, a process of understanding what works for you and what doesn't. All yeah. information is good. Some of it's more good. Some of it's better, right, than the other information. And I just, I, I've, from talking to guys, I think, I remember having a conversation with Russ Martin about this one time, about everything, you know, he said, there are days where I do more work. There are days where I need more work. There are days where... Muscle memory. Well, and but he was talking about even calling games. There are days where it's just a little easier because I know the pitcher better, I know the opponents better. Yeah. And you really do have to learn how to how to filter how to filter this stuff out. I don't John Schneider doesn't I will say this. He does not strike me as a micromanager. I'm with he you. He doesn't Buck Showalter is a micromanager. Mm-hmm. Like he is the dude that had the atomic clock in the middle of the clubhouse, you know. The time is 1056, 12.45, and you got to be out. He's a micromanager. Sure. You know, Joe Girardi was a guy who took all the sugared candy and gum mm-hmm. out of the Yankees clubhouse right. and only replaced it and, and replaced it with sugar-free stuff. Like there are guys who will, and that was Joe Girardi. That wasn't uh, that wasn't the trade. That was Joe Girardi saying, I think, I don't think our guys should be chewing sugared gum. So mm-hmm. There are guys who are micromanagers, but I don't. I don't get the sense that that Schneider is necessarily that. Uh, Kevin Pillar is an outfielder with the Atlanta Braves. He's in town. The Braves will start a three-game series tonight against the Jays at the Rogers Center. He got his hundredth home run on May sixth. 
Always a treat to talk to Kevin Pillar. Still, still, still hugely popular in this city. We look forward to him joining us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. was a no-doubter. It was Woo. also Kevin Pillar's 100th career home run. That's a lot of homers. That is a lot of homers on May 6th in a 5-4 uh, win against the Baltimore Orioles. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, if you, those of us who have been lucky enough to sort of follow Kevin Pillar's career since he broke in with the Blue Jays, um, well, first of all, we're very pleased that Kevin joins us. Kevin, thanks for taking time out to talk to us today. Secondly, can <laughs> Congratulations. I loved your quote. Um, you said, I know 100 is insignificant to a lot of people. You think about the greats and how many home runs they have hit. But for a kid who was drafted in the 32nd round who never thought he would be in the big leagues, 10 years later, 100, you know, I've never mm. been a big home run guy. Maybe it speaks to some consistency. And it, it, that's really kind of the key here, isn't it, mm-hmm. Kevin, is uh, being a consistent player, a consistent teammate, and getting your chances and taking advantage of your chances. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. It's always nice being back. But, yeah, I would say, you know, if you look at the back of my baseball card, the, the most homers I hit in the season was, was 21 um, with San Francisco. Um, so it's never been high volume. And I've always felt like my greatest strength um, was being available, you know, up until – you know, a serious injury last year, which was the first time that I had to miss significant time and, you know, pretty much had to miss a season. For the most part, I've always been available and healthy. And I think that's what's allowed me to, you know, stay in the game, get opportunities and, you know, reach a milestone that, you know, when I started this journey, I would have thought uh, was probably impossible. You know, going into the season, I knew I had 97. It was definitely something um from a personal standpoint that I thought would be, you know, pretty cool to achieve. Um, and then, then the way it happened was, you know, even more special to, to come off the bench, you know, in a game where we were kind of sputtering a little bit, playing a good Baltimore Orioles team, you know, a team I'm familiar with, a lot of history with, and then kind of just everything lined up, you know, and not really thinking about – it's always funny, you know, you always hear guys talk about it. I wasn't trying to do too much mm. and – you know, that's that's kind of the result you get. There was a runner at second base, and I'm like, I just got to get this guy in. You know, guys need me to drive in this run, trying to do less, and then you go up there and hit a 400-foot-plus homer. So hopefully that's a, a lesson to be learned that, if, you know, you just go up there and try to do less, good things happen. Kevin, do you think you've changed since the first homer to the 100th one as a hitter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Significantly. What? Um, is I've it, changed. Is it I've mental, physical? So How is it? Yeah. 
Oh, both. A combination of both mentally, physically, um, so much. Uh, obviously, my body's changed a lot. I've gotten a lot more physically fit. I've gotten stronger. I've gotten more flexible. But then just the the approach-wise, the mentality, the maturity is completely different than I was, uh, you know, almost 10 years ago. What has it uh, been like, Kevin? You know, you, you, you've, you, you played for the Blue Jays for so long. You moved on, and, you know, you've gone from, you know, you've, you've gone from team to team since then. Um, how is, has that required a change on your part in terms of maybe being, um, you know, a little more, not versatile, but just you're going to different organizations, different cities, different hitting coaches, different managers, mm-hmm. different situations. Do you, you really do have to sort of be open to a lot of stuff to pull that off, don't you? Yeah, you definitely have to. I mean, I'd say from like the coaching standpoint, like you, you really have to understand who you are uh, as a hitter. Uh, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, I think there was a lot of times, you know, when I was in the same place for a long time, I was able to, you know, lean on the hitting coaches for advice and for changes. And, you know, when I was struggling, they were my, you know, I I looked for them for answers. Um, And then when you play on a team, you you obviously form that relationship with the hitting coach you have that year. And then the next year on a new team. So, you know, after doing that for a couple of years, I, I learned to, you know, kind of rely on myself to, to really dig in and understand what makes my swing work, you know, you know, what makes, you know, from a, from an approach standpoint, from a, from a mental standpoint, I've learned how to kind of really rely on myself. But the other thing too is, you know, the first couple times being on a new team, you, you realize it's, it's fairly difficult to kind of just come into a new environment and be yourself and, you know, figure out who you're going to mesh with, who you're going to become friends with. Um, you know, after the third or fourth time, you just come in day one, guns blazing, you you be yourself. I think the more you've been in the game, the more your kind of reputation kind of follows you. So going into a new environment, people kind of already know who I am, what I'm about. And it's easy for me to just come in and be myself and, um, you know, just really show who I am as a, as a, as a teammate, as a player. Um, and, you know, I've been able to do that the last couple of years. And I feel like this one coming into Atlanta was probably one of the easier transitions that I've had. Just knowing a couple guys here, obviously knowing Alex, um, you know, he probably had informed, uh, you know, the coaching staff kind of what I'm about, what I bring. And it was easy for me to come in and just be myself. I find I find that interesting because I look at the the Atlanta Braves and and I see a team. You know, a lot of those guys have come up together, right? They're they they're a pretty close knit group. I, I should say they they were in the minors together. They've kind of come up at the same time. I know the pitching staffs like that. And I I was wondering if maybe that is a little it's a little different for a veteran to come into that type of an environment compared to you know, a team where there's always turnover or a team that has gone out and signed a bunch of, of, of more mature free agents, you know? And, and I was just wondering if there was a, if you'd noticed any difference, maybe it's easier, right? Because everybody, there is such that there is that circle of closeness already. And, and maybe they're so comfortable with each other. They can welcome somebody in. Yeah. I would say it's probably the, the, the last thing you said, um, it, it was, 
I wouldn't say intimidating. It was it was refreshing to come into an environment where, um, you know, it was a close knit group. Uh, it was a team that's had a ton of success. Um, it was easy to come in and be myself and just kind of show these guys who I am and, and what I bring to the table. And, you know, when winning is the most important thing and they feel like you can contribute and add to that, uh, they welcome you with open arms. Uh, when you do have a close group of people, guys that came up in the minor leagues and, uh, you know, have spent a lot of time together, it is naturally a little bit easier to get close with some of the guys. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, I had known a couple of the guys, you know, through, you know, friends of a friend or, you know, I've had Jesse Chavez here, a guy I played with. Right. Um, and then you also just understand they acquired a guy like Sean Murphy this offseason who's coming from a new place, but he had a friend in Matt Olson that he played together. Matt Olson went through the kind of same transition the year before, and I think those guys were – you know, awesome and welcoming me in and understanding they, they, they understood what I was going through coming into a new environment, kind of what could be seen as an intimidating environment, being the Atlanta Braves, a historic franchise, a team coming off of five consecutive AL East uh, or NL East titles. Um, you know, they did a really good job of doing, uh, uh, of embracing me and I feel very comfortable here. Kevin, it's rare that we have defenders on from the outfield like you on this show. And it, this is an interesting question because Rogers Center and the outfield's changed. Dimensions are weird. The the There's weird angles in the outfield. Take us through when you go to a new place that you haven't seen before. How do you go about that? Like, is it just go throw a baseball against it and see where it lands? Or how, how does the elite outfielders like yourself do that? Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that um... – you know, after a couple of years of not being here, coming back, the city feels still feels the same. It looks the same, but from everything I've seen on TV and you know on Twitter and stuff, the the stadium has completely changed. So it is like coming into a brand new stadium that I've never been to before, and I'm excited to to get there this afternoon and check it out. But from a process standpoint kind of like what you said, you're going to go kind of walk out there, your position, you're going to find where your, your neutral position is, you know, find markers on the walls and line up with second base, kind of move around out there. And sometimes it's as simple as just kind of throwing a ball off the wall or having a coach hit a fungo off the wall and just kind of seeing the different angles and quirks that the new dimensions, uh, might have and then the biggest thing for me is just kind of being out there for at least one group maybe even two groups if i don't feel comfortable um reading the ball off the bat during bp i mean that's the the best time to get reads you know the ball's flying you're going to get a bunch of different angles and spin off the off the ball and allow balls to, to get by you and hit the fence or the wall and just kind of see where the cams are um it's kind of the process that most of us go through okay. you know you obviously you earned your reputation in toronto uh, largely because of defense. But when I think of you, I also think of that game you had in Washington, the second half of that doubleheader, June 2nd, 2015. I think the Jays were, you you lost the first game, seven games under 500. I mean, John Gibbons, whether or not it was, he's, I, I don't think he'd be lying. John Gibbons thought he might be fired at, at, at the end of the day. You go out, hit two runs off Max Scherzer. The Jays win 7-3. They go on to win 11 in a row. And of course, the rest is history. Do you, 
is that one of the fondest memories of your time in Toronto? Like individual game memories besides the adulation and, you know, the Superman and, 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 and all of that, that, that game kind of sticks out to me as, as, I mean, boy, that, that was just so important to 2015. It was hugely important to 2015. Yeah. I think looking back on it, uh, not really understanding the importance of that individual game until many years later. And obviously having a, still having a really good relationship with Gibby, you know, we, we've talked about that, that game and how it possibly, you know, saved his, saved his career as a manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always going to be a special game for me. I mean, I remember, I remember going into that game we had a rain delay, which caused us to play to that day. So the day before, um, I went out on the field, did some early hitting. We were talking about making some mechanical adjustments. Beautiful day. Sun's out. Early BP gets over. It starts raining. Um, they tell us the game's over. I stayed at the stadium and probably hit a thousand balls uh, in the batting cage trying to fix my swing or make a mechanical adjustment. I had gotten off to a really good April that year. It was mm-hmm. my first year in the big leagues, and I was struggling. Uh, very much uh, in the second month of the season. And Gibby told me I had the first game off and we had Max Scherzer and my mindset kind of went to, he's supposed to get me out. It's Max Scherzer. Like what, if I continue to do what I'm doing at the plate, I'm going to be unsuccessful. So let's try something different, even though that it is Max Scherzer. Um, That was kind of the mindset that I had. And I went out there and had three hits and two homers. And it was, it was the first ever two homer game in my life from, Little league to at any point in my career. So obviously very memorable to hit two homers in the same game and to do it off a guy like Max Scherzer. Um, and then everything that kind of transpired after that, that game is oh, going to be one of the most memorable days I've had um, from, from the offensive side in the major leagues. Kevin, listen, we really appreciate you joining Wonderful. us today. It's great to hear your voice. We look forward to seeing you mm-hmm. uh, before the game tonight, and I'm sure you'll get a warm welcome from uh, Blue Jays fans when yeah. you uh, step up to the plate. Thanks for doing this, man, Thanks, and keep Kevin. it going. Good luck. appreciate you guys. Good to hear your voices. Yeah, take Thanks. care. Take care, See Kevin. You Kevin Pillar, the Atlanta Braves. That, and I've always, like, you know, you look back. I mean, the, there's these things that happen in Blue Jays history – you know, the, the most uh, – Joe Carter's home run was, of course, the – you know, the, won the World Series for the Jays. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to people around the team, they'll tell you the biggest home run was Robbie Alomar homering off of Dennis Eckersley. That got the yeah. Jays over the hump. And I think 2015, that two-home run game, they go on and win 11 in a row. Mm-hmm. Right? And not only do you save John Gibbons' job, but you set the stage for everything else that happened for for Tulowitzki, for David Price. Yeah. And that's pretty... I had not heard that story about Kevin staying there after the rain delay. That's cool. And, 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 why and not taking do a thousand it? Why, why not change? He's supposed to get me out. Like, yeah. I, it's... it's yeah, you do, you're thinking that until you actually hear somebody that's been through it say it out loud. Yeah. It's pretty cool to hear it. And you get good for Kevin to actually buy into saying, you know, this and this guy's pretty good. He's probably should get me out anyway. Why not make a change now? You know what? People don't remember about, about Kevin Pillar. There was, I can't remember what year it was, but he, John Gibbons pinch hit for him in a game, and Kevin was really upset. Yeah. Noticeably upset. Mm-hmm. And he ended up going down to the minors. Mm-hmm. And he could have sulked, 
and could have whatever. And I'm going to give Gibby a lot of credit and the organization a lot of credit. It's a 32nd round pick. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't have a lot of currency within that organization. It would have been very easy to look at that guy and go, hey. Yep. <laughs> yep. They gave him a chance. He took advantage of it. They gave him a chance. And he's gone on to have a – like, that. that's a really good – 100 home runs. You've had a really good career. 100 home runs. You've played some postseason games. No question. Um, you're with the team. You're going to the postseason this year, knock mm-hmm. on wood, as long as you're healthy. Played for the Giants, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, the Braves. Uh, who doesn't want to play for the, and the, the Dodgers and the Giants and the Braves? And you know what? There, I do. There is – I think there's a real art to being a guy – that teams want to pick up when you're 35, 36, 37. You're the finishing piece to a championship team. Basically yes. what they're telling you. You can do something to help us win no a question. championship. Absolutely. And it is, it's, it's great. I'm um, good for him. Yeah. And that uh, could be some center field played this weekend. <laughs> I you mean, know. he's played, he's played all over. I think he's played a little bit more left field. He's than played he, more left. Yeah. Than I'm, he look, has I'm center, just looking forward defense to defense in the outfield. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing these two. I'm looking forward pretty to seeing. Pretty cool. I'm pretty looking cool. forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to seeing Ronald Lacuna Jr. To be honest, I just am. I mean, I've, I'm looking forward to seeing the Braves. This is this is going to be a good test for the Jays to see where you're you're stacking up. You you want to play the best? Yep. Tells you where you're at. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. And if you are listening on the podcast via podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast, whether it's Spotify, wherever, please uh, rate, uh, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Say nice things about Kevin. All you have to do is... I'll take it. Yeah, why not? All you have to do to... Uh, for a chance to win Blue Jays tickets is text the correct answer to our daily trivia See question, 590-590. Get it right. Yesterday's question and answer was this pitcher won the Cy Young Award in his first season with Houston and has a son who currently plays for a team in the NL East. The answer was Roger Clemens. Mm-hmm. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and A's down at the Rogers Center on June 23rd. I would have got this. I love this guy. This three-time All-Star won the 1988 All-Star Game MVP award and caught two no-hitters during his career. This is to see the Jays and A's down at the Rogers Center on June 23rd. This three-time All-Star won the 1988 All-Star Game MVP award and caught two no-hitters during his career. Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. I was 13. See rules at Sportsnet. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Was that necessary? Because you said you loved this guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy was fine. This guy was one of my. So that means this, you were no, there no, no. This guy was low key. <laughs> this guy was low key. One of my favorite players in baseball. Uh, I'm not saying he's not. He really was. I just said I was 13. He really was. I was 13. And. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. <sighs> Anyhow, uh, just a, a quick reminder because the uh, because there's a certain hockey game tonight. Who? Um, Who's playing? Yeah. Is it, was the Vegas playing tonight? Yeah, is that it? Vegas and Edmonton. No, <laughs> because the uh, uh, Leafs are uh, going to beat the Florida Panthers five one tonight. Oh, oh. Um, seven game sweep. Seven game sweep a coming, <laughs> folks. It's coming. It's coming. Jump on the bandwagon. There's room. Seven game sweep. Seven game sweep. 
Uh, because of that, there will be no Blue Jays talk. Uh, so we'll get the night off. The lovely and talented show, Ali, though, will be available to uh, mm-hmm. sum things up for you. And then we'll be back with Blue Jays talk on Monday. Who's in, is the Yankees in town? Is it yeah, Monday? There the it is, buddy. Yankees. You've nailed it. Reddit. Yankees are coming in town. And then the Orioles. And Your the, Orioles. My Orioles. No, no, you'll take it. My Orioles <laughs> it's a, now. It's funny how that works. The showwalterless Orioles. Now it's the O's. Pick no, I, I, I'm kind of. You pick one. Uh, I mean, I okay. still, the Razor. Impossible to watch. But they're getting better. No, that, they're getting better now because they're hitting. They are not they impossible are getting better. to watch. Well, they, up until this year, you, they, they you, were impossible. How, there was you're telling me you don't want to watch Randy Rosarena play? last year or the year after. Wow. This year, yes. Wow. Absolutely. He'd be in my top five. He stops and does the thing around the third yeah. uh, around third base. <laughs> He'd be on my top oh, five dudes to watch. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy. I get a kick out of him. That's I get strong. a kick out of him. He's a good player, though. Get a kick. They got a good just kind of. There, there's team. a there's an element of of chaos to his game that I that I rather enjoy. We I don't get don't enough of that cares. in baseball. Like he just doesn't. I'm going to do what I do. Well, he whether, doesn't. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. Okay. Of course. I don't not. care because at the end of the day, I'm going to be. I'm going to have a couple hit of hits twice and, in one game. I don't care. I'll keep doing it. Oh, and that's the thing I love. <laughs> the thing I love about it's him like is basically he's like I'm I, good. Uh, you know what? A, our good friend, I guy that I covered who he didn't love. No one loves getting hit by a pitch. Moise Alou. Yep. I told you about Moise. He, if you threw him inside, he would stand right on top of the plate. Closer. He would intentionally move closer. Closer. I've very few guys I've seen who, when they get hit by a pitch, just it's there's a different level there. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm gonna show you that you can basically, you know, you can or not not hit me, but you threw inside to me. You can hit me this time, and I'll take my base. Mm-hmm. Randy Rosarain is like that. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. As we mentioned, they opened a three-game series against the uh, Atlanta Braves. Weird road trip for the Jays. They get swept by the Red Sox, sweep the Pirates, and then lose two games to the Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, we spent the better part of 48 hours digesting the 10-inning uh, loss on um, on Wednesday in the Bobichette throwing air. Terrific start by Kevin Gossam and some shaky bullpen work, but it it was uh, it, it, I mean it was the ultimate feast or famine road trip for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. John Schneider is a Blue Jays manager. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan Sportsnet three sixty, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 7 o'clock will be the first pitch tonight or more, I guess more officially 707. Be the first pitch. Tonight. Just tune in at 7. Tune in at 7, that's How's right. That? Yeah, that's you. right. You might as well. Don't tune in at 7. Or 6.30. Isn't that other show on at 6.30 on TV? 6.30. Spencer Strider's on the mound for the Braves. <laughs> Chris Bassett for the Blue Jays. Boy, hammy's tight. Coach. <laughs> Boy, I just think. Yeah. Man. That doesn't happen. <laughs> no. That, this that be, this is going to be a lot of This is going to be a lot. It's going to be a good test for the Blue Jays. It's going to be a lot of fun. Though. Spencer Strider's going to be a fun guy to watch. Um, I am glad that I don't have to have to hit against him 
But uh, Spencer Strider against Chris Bassett Saturdays, Bryce Elder against Jose Barrios Sundays, you say Kikuchi against to be confirmed from the Atlanta Braves. Let's bring in John Schneider. He is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. John, thanks so much for joining uh, for joining Kevin and, and myself today. Uh, look, you know, Kevin's walked through the schedule a couple of times and, um, you know, Ooh, this is it's real you know, newsflash. It's gotten real. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I, I wanted to I, I wanted to ask you. Um, look, I know that obviously you guys are always looking at the schedule because you need to know who you're playing in order to plot where you're going with your pitching and all that. But is there a time of the year where you start maybe looking at the schedule in a little in a little more depth? I mean, I think, you know, you look at this right now, you know, 17 games in a row in 30 out of 31 days. And I think with the, uh, you know, the caliber of the opponents we're going to be playing, yeah, you look at it and you um, you want to play well for one, and you want to kind of just make sure that you're keeping everyone where they should be in terms of spots in the rotation, um, how many how many days they're out there in a row, all that kind of stuff. You're uh, you're really trying to tackle a lot of it. You know, just the it's very complex, just because it's yes, it's good teams, it's a lot of games in a row, and you want to do what's right for the team over the course of the season. John, do you think sometimes a a good hitter needs to face some elite pitching to figure out sort of what's going wrong? I think. Yeah, yeah, Kev, that's a good that's a good question. I think um, I know that our guys, you know, I'm not saying they do this all the time, but when you're facing a good pitcher, you know, you, there's just a heightened sense of awareness in terms of approach, plan, um, every pitch of every at bat. It seems like uh, Strider obviously fits that mold of a really really good pitcher. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that it, it, you know, it can, you know, lock a, lock a hitter in a little bit more, um, and hopefully get them going. Now, John, since that, uh, the Seattle series at home, that, uh, that, that last game of the Seattle series, things have gone, gone a little, they, well, they've got, they've gone a little haywire, frankly, for the bullpen, at least statistically. And I understand the Boston series is going to send, uh, it's going to do a lot of things, but where is your bullpen right now? Like, do you feel differently about your bullpen and the roles guys currently have as a result of what you've seen against Boston and Philadelphia? I mean, you still feel good about those guys. I think that, <clears throat> like, like most uh, bullpens and most pitchers, it comes down to execution. I think you can kind of put them all, you know, if you look at that road trip, um, you could say some guys really executed poorly in Boston and some guys executed very well in Pittsburgh. And um, you could say probably a little bit of each in Philly. And, you know, you still feel good about it. You still try to get them in the right spots. And, you know, I think that the roles are, you know, we're trying to be as consistent as we can with roles. Um, it's going to be a little bit lineup dependent with uh, where Timmy Mays is going in there. But, uh, you know, you still feel good about it. And you can't ignore the role that they were on at home. And hopefully they can kind of get back to that uh, starting today. John, you know, I saw Jordan Romano and those three guys he faced. I think he – I forgot what the number was, but I think yeah. he threw 16 pitches to the three guys in the middle of the order. Started with Castellanos, I think, and then the double – the single that Riamuto hit. I think he threw 16 sliders and, and 14 of those were to – or 16 pitches and 14 were sliders to those three guys. What, what do you think it would take for Jordan to – change his approach a little bit maybe throw it more 50 50 than 65 35 or whatever it is yeah a lot of it is uh you know there's so much that goes into game planning i think and with jordy you know when his slider is on it's you know kind of a straight 
straight down or almost like a split. Sure. And, you know, we, you know, he has a really good feel for it. And I think when you see a lot of them, you know, kind of in a row, it's him, you know, if he's, if he throws one and doesn't really like the way it came out or where it went, you know, a lot of times he'll go back to it to try to, you know, have a quick fix. Um, he's really good in terms of, you know, feeling that pitch out. But I do think there, you know, it, it did look like to me that JT was sitting slider on the ball he hit the left. And I think that when Jordy's really good and one of the best in the game is when he's um, a little bit more unpredictable for sure. Is that, is that more of his – I don't want to say it's his fault, but, the, you know, that catcher thing could sort of see that a guy, first pitch he throws is a slider, second one maybe he's sitting on it the way his loader half looks, you know, may have scooted a little closer. You know, sometimes you got to have your catcher maybe go tiempo. <laughs> you know, you throw, you throw you throw ninety seven. I mean, it, it it's got some hair on it. It's elevated. I don't want to say who's to blame there, but it is a combination of you know both guys going back and forth. Of I know you feel good with that thing. You like that slider a lot, but he is sitting on it. Throw something else. Yeah, sure. I think to me it always comes down to the catcher. You know, you guys all see they're wearing wristbands. They got some recommendations as to what to throw in terms of game plan and. Um, there are times when, you know, you have to get creative and use your eyes and say, okay, this pitch is going in this location and this hitter is doing this, um, you know, reacting this way to this pitch. So I got to get a little bit creative. And if I do want to get him out with that pitch, I got to work my way around it somehow. So it's a combination of both catcher and pitcher. And, um, you know, some pitchers are better at recognizing that than others. So to me, it comes down to the catcher just really, you know, being diligent with what he wants to throw and then what he's seeing in the box too. Now, now there was, excuse me, there were some pitch hit situations. I think it was in Philly. I, I don't want mm-hmm. you to get, I don't want you to give away trade secrets here. But is there, is there, how much is that? Is gut? Is there any gut anymore from a manager? Is it more analytics? Is it a combination of both? Is it a accumulation of a bench coach? Everybody else. How, how, what goes into you making a decision, especially late in games and big-time moments? Yeah, sure. There's a lot that goes into it. There are numbers and there's projections and there's things that have been people's track records that we obviously are privy to. And I think from there becomes a discussion between myself, Donnie, um, and Pete, you know, both before and during the game. So the, the pinch hit ones, I think <clears throat> you look at, you know, you're talking about Varsho and, and for KK, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Varsh there against Soto. It's you know you look at the game. I think it was bases loaded, one out, and then you get Georgie and Chap. Although Georgie wasn't feeling great, you know, available to pinch hit. It's Soto's tough on lefties. We love Varsh. There's only going to be a handful of times that we flip and do that move. Um, just trying to put the ball in play there and get and turn it over to Chappie with the same thing before we get to another lefty. So we were kind of pigeonholed there. And then in terms of Kimbrel and KK. You know, if it wasn't the 10th inning and you're just really banking on, you know, a a ball put in play, probably wouldn't do that one. There are things that, you know, Kirky over the course of his career, you know, controls his own very well. Um, Great contact ability and really good with two strikes. You look at Kimbrell, whether it's a righty or lefty, I think he went punch out, punch out um, to Jano and Espy, but great ride on his heater, wicked breaking ball. He's been throwing strikes. He can get people to chase and it's nothing against KK. It's just, Hey man, we got one out to play with before we get to bow. Um, let's try to get this ball in play. So that's kind of the thinking behind it. Again, there's a ton of information that we, that we have There's a ton of information that we talk about. And then I think as the game unwinds unfolds offensively, it's me and Donnie 
Um, ultimately, it's me. It's me making the decision, right? But it's me and Donnie having conversations, and it's me and Pete having conversations. Yeah. And in that particular situation with with Kiermaier and 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 Kirk, like I, you know, I get, and I don't like second guessing people, but I get that. I I always assume. I've always. Brian Burke told me to assume that people in charge have better information than you. They have more updated no information than you. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. well, they know more than you, but they're also, they've got good intentions. But I, I'm just wondering, I get all that, but at the same time, you know, Kiermaier, it, it, if I asked, if I needed a guy to get a hit for me right, right now, based on what I've seen of the guy recently, I'd probably go with KK over, over Kirk. Now, that's just me sure. to... to that's how does that factor into it, though? You know, the may, the whole healthy you're, you're right weighing now. evidence. Yeah, 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 you're weighing evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you yeah, in real time, how do you balance sure. that in real time? Yes. Yeah, I think both of those. You look at Varsh is swinging the bat extremely well, and you pinch it. You know, George for him, and you're you can listen. I mean, <laughs> I get hired to get second guess. I totally, I totally get that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, you know. You try to do everything the best you can in the moment. So in real time, yeah, has Kirky not been as good as he was last year? Yeah, you could say that. Has KK been great offensively? Yeah, you could say that. I think just when you're making decisions that are just so specific to a to a game situation, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta you know trust your people that have done that before. And for me, Kirky's done it more often than he hasn't. And again, it's nothing against KK. You know what I mean? He could have very easily you know hit a a uh, double, a homer, or an infield single to get the you know to get the bat over to Bo. You know what I mean. So they're tough decisions. Um, a lot of them, you know, you have to be diligent and you have to be um, consistent with some of the, the decisions you make because that then allows those results to get better over time. Did it suck in the moment in Philly? Yeah, for sure. Well, but I think if you're if you're consistent with it, for one, it shows trust in the people that you are calling upon, and yep. two. I think that the numbers that we are privy to, they mm-hmm. tend to even out over time. Great answer. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. That's why we asked. We knew you'd give us a really good answer. Now, let's flip it over to the pitching side. Anything you've seen from Manoa that would tell you the slider's coming? Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, when, when we say coming, I mean, like, we're talking about one of the better pitches yeah. in the league when, when you pair that with a heater. Um, yep. That it's coming, yeah. I think that when we look at the shape of it, the actual horizontal movement and the thing, and the, the release point and the spin on that thing, like really breaking it down. It's, it's very, very similar to where it was last year. Now, that being said, the execution of it and the, and the placement of it is got to be better. So the fact that the pitch is still technically, you know, the same with the same action, that's encouraging. What we need to just hammer home with Alec is just execute and get in the right spot. Let me ask you, would it help if they, if you, if you being the manager, uh, moved around the catchers, took away Kirky, put Jansen in there. Would that matter? You know, I, I heard you and Caleb talking about this a little bit. I think that, you know, we it may, you know, who knows? It, yeah. it may, it may not. I know that they are, you know, they present their gloves in different ways. Um, they may be a little bit more, uh, they're a little bit different in the way they call pitches, I think. I think Kirky is just very, uh, he's a flatliner. He's just very consistent back there. You see him get animated sometimes, and I think Jana was a little bit more animated in general. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you never know. I do, I do, you know, want to be aware of the fact that Kirky's done the majority of the catching for Alec when he came in third in the Cy Young. And, you know, it's his skill set with his glove, we think, um, pairs really well with Alec when his stuff is on. 
So, again, we feel comfortable with either one of those guys catching anyone on the Mm -hmm. staff. Um, I think if you do it, if you do change it up, it's, you know, it's really kind of a coin flip. Sure. Uh, last question before he let you run. Kevin Gossman was really good in Philadelphia oh, with yeah. the extra day. Oof. I know you can't. You know, the schedule doesn't always favor giving a guy an extra day, but what does that tell? Does it tell you anything about Kevin other than the fact that everybody likes an extra day? Uh, you know, is there anything to read into it beyond that? I, I think that's kind of all you can really, you know, say about, I think that, you know, everyone, especially as you get a little bit older, you, you appreciate an extra day's rest as a pitcher. Um, numbers obviously speak for themselves when you look at him on four and five and um, he was pretty damn nasty in Philly. So you, you do what you can with it. You know, I think schedule is going to dictate a lot of it right now. We're in the middle of a, of a pretty good grind. So um, when you do have chances to kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit, I think that you look at performance, you look at numbers, and you try to do the best you can. But um, if we can get that performance from Kev every time out, we're in a good spot. Sure. John, we're going to let you run. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for we, joining us today. Go get him. We, yeah, appreci- exactly. we appreciate you answering those questions, too. Thanks, man. Hey, hey man. Hey, hey, part of the gig. You got it. No problem. Absolutely. Thanks. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Well, Blue they're Jays. not easy questions to answer. They're not. And he gives you a really good answer on why it's just not all willy-nilly. You ain't throwing it I against the, the wall. Uh, I love the – I love a good answer. I love the answer about Alejandro Kirk, that his skill set with his glove matches better – with Manoa, pairs better with Manoa when Manoa's pitches are on. It's the ball down. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, and essentially what they're telling you is, I think what they're telling you is they think Alec Manoa's almost getting there. I and, think they're hoping. And, and <laughs> But I think what they're saying is, I think what John is saying, and I th- and, and this, this, this does make an inordinate amount of sense, that when Alec Manoa is Alec Manoa, the skill set with with Alejandro Kirk meshes better. Now the question is getting Alec Manoa to be Alec Manoa. And I think what John also essentially said is a catcher doesn't catcher really wouldn't make it that much of a difference. Yeah. Right look, I, 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 and again, they have more, they have more knowledge than we do. Superior no question. knowledge here, here, here it is. It's the target that he's throwing to Kirky sometimes looks skinny means that he puts his knee on the ground his feet are really close together. His shoulders look really small. Means his target to where Alec wants to start the slider at is real small. Now, when you're fine with it, mechanically, you're flipping it out there the way you want it to flip. Woo! Get it all skinny as you want. But when it ain't and you need the bigger target, that's the thing is. I, I, I'm not saying that they do it because, again, they know. And John's not trying to have them lose baseball games. It's not like they're not trying to hurry up and find Alec. You know, where's Alec? Everybody wants him to show up. It's not like they don't want to do that. It's just a fact of would it actually work? And if it doesn't work, then what do you do? Go right back to Kirky? Then you're just basically telling Kirky you ain't real good at your job. Like, it's all fine and dandy when he's out there rolling along and he can do his thing with his slider that's, and throw it wherever he wants to throw point. it. That and then obviously when it hits the fan... We don't want anything to do with you. So there's some things in it that people I understand, and I'm one of them. Like you just you're searching because everybody wants Alec Manoa to be that guy we saw last year. Sometimes dudes just go through it and, and they need know, to figure it out on their own. And I think that's where he's at, at least for me anyway. And I'm also gonna say this about the, the very good answer to the questions about the pinch hitting. And, oh. and you know, we've talked about we know that when it comes to the bullpen, 
you know, John, there is a circle of trust there. There are guys you trust more in that bullpen than other guys. And I think John's answer to that question about he, you know, Alejandro Kirk and John have a track record together. And in that situation, John was clearly, John has seen Alejandro come through in those situations. Mm-hmm. And that is what he's banking on. He is a real believer and you've done it for me before. That's not to say anything about Kevin Kiermaier or against Kevin Kiermaier or Dalton Marshall. No. But you know what? I get that. And there is, there is a consistency to that. In other words, if you accept the fact that the manager is going to make a decision not based entirely on what he has seen, we can have an argument about whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing, but at least what John is telling us is this is what my, these are the things that go into my thought process. And there, there is a consistency to that approach. And I think maybe there are players, and a manager's got to know his team, and it's possible you know it's possible that this team really needs consistency. I think you give John credit. Right? He's got and 20. that's why we haven't seen – look, they haven't had George Springer. Oh, yeah. They didn't have Vladdy for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. They did not blow up the batting order. Yeah, They, they re- just they, moved they, it all they up. They really got 25 guys on this team. Nathan Lucas is – I know there's 26-man roster, but he's really working with 25 guys, right? When it push comes to shove and you're wanting the big time at bat and those kind of – no offense to the 26 guy, but that's sort of what he's working with. He will – he's basically told you without telling you he's going to use all 25. Yeah, but I, he's also – I think that's what it is too, and and, and give him credit for that. Th- those were not easy questions to no. come on this show and answer. He's also – but, he, Kevin, he's also – Give him credit for it. He's also you, – you've got to remember, this isn't – it's not like John has managed in the majors for 20 years. And I get now that I've heard him say it, I get – how he views consistency as being important because trust in your people, you trust in your process, and whatever we may think, the Jays are a process organization. I mean, they went through a process to bring John Schneider back as manager. That's Mm -hmm. just, that is the way they are. They are, there is a process to everything they do. And I think John is trying to, and has done a good job of establishing consistency. Not surprising. Like, I don't know. We I, we haven't had a chance to talk. Maybe Kevin Kiermaier was shocked as hell at that decision. Maybe Dalton Varsho was shocked as hell, as hell at the decision of the game before. Mm. But the idea that John Schneider is trying to let his players know what constitutes sure. consistency, I think is something that we need to we need I to think- pay attention to. And I'll tell you what. I guarantee you the organization has told him we want you to be as consistent as possible. I think he's going to go tell the players too what he's doing, why he did it, what the situation was. I mean, he gave you a good a good uh, reason why the elevated fastball, the big curveball, he's thinking that Kirk, he could make contact with that. When I heard contact, I laughed. I thought it was funny. Why is that the point? And then when he just answered it, when we asked the question, it almost makes perfect sense. Obviously not because of the way Kirk, he said, has been doing, and he said this. 
Right. And the way Kiermaier's season has been so far, but it was the matchup within. It didn't have anything to do with how they're doing right now. It was track record, and what that guy on the mound does well doesn't add up to what Kevin Kiermaier does well, which is the elevated fastball yeah. and the big yacker. So at least he gave you a good answer. I hope that works out. I mean, I, look. Yeah, as I, I, said, I think that, I think we got to remember when uh, you know as soon as we see it we're what throwing hands in the air what are you doing they're just not doing it to try and lose a baseball game the, the okay other, the other thing I found very very interesting is um, and it's something you and Caleb had talked about with Kevin Gossman it may be and John listens how about that maybe we uh, you know the whole thing with Gossman, we were talking about his velocity and all that. Maybe we just have to realize that he's not he's not 24-year-old Kevin Gossman anymore. He's 12 years in the big league. Not saying he's washed up or anything, but he's, he's pitched Jason a lot in. He's going to be 91. He's pitched a lot in. Because that was me. I was the one that was, what's going on here? Why, why yeah. are you doing that? You know, and, I, and I'd asked the question around, and he was said, well, he's an advanced pitcher now. He's not always having to throw it. And I'm like, well, you know, probably be a little easier against some good teams like the Red Sox. It was 92-93. If you got 95, 97, 99 in the tank, you might want to use it against them. And then it got back to that digging into, you know, you're reminded he's not a spring chicken. Like, he throw, he's thrown a lot. Yeah. And occasionally he's just not coming out hot. So, I'd much rather have that 95 to 99 now. Yeah, I wonder how that, how that factors into things going down the stretch for the Blue Jays. It's, it's irrelevant now. They've had their last off day. They've got 17, what is it, 17 in a row, 30 to 31. It's real. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be hard. It would be nice. It would be really nice if you had another option as a starter to maybe, I'm not saying, I'm not a fan of the six-man rotation. It drives me nuts. I want to bang my head against the wall when they're people gonna, mention it. They're not going to do that. No, but I'm saying it would be nice if you had somebody else available that maybe you could you could think about that down the road. Maybe yeah. Mitch White is that how guy do, at some point when How do you do that with the American back. League East the way well, it is? Every single one of those games. We just had Alex on saying, you know, that one game can matter that you yeah. lose. It might matter in this division. Well, that was good. I hope people uh, like that. I mean, the, the manager coming on and breaking down the way he did, you're pretty fortunate to have that. At least you got the answer now. Yeah. That's big league stuff. I'm sorry. Not every manager is going to do that. Whether or not whether or not you agree with there it. There it is. Um, at least you know what the manager there was thinking, is. which is all the players can ask for, all you can ask for. While we for. have him on. Uh, that is it for us. The, this, I am reasonably certain, is Friday. That boy. Unlike yesterday when I th- thought it was Friday. I uh, want to uh, thank, thank those of you who've been using the back leg line. And uh, I'm going to remind you the number, 416-413-3959. We had a lot of really good questions this week. They're wonderful. We love, we love, we love, we, we love getting questions. Leave your name. From around please. the country, uh, from internationally. And uh, we will, you know, Mark Boffo, our producer, will collate them and go through them. And we'll, we'll endeavor to use the line as much as we can. So, again, 416-413-3959. Now, you know what? You're watching the Jays game tonight, Saturday, Sunday. Something goes off in your head you don't know about this. 416-413-3959. Maybe we answer it Monday. That's it for us for Jen, Mark, and Lance. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy the baseball.